grabbing that seat, why don't you turn with me to John 15, and that's where we're going to base this morning out of. It's a very familiar passage, probably a very well-known passage. There's a lot in here, There's there's so much contained in one of the the struggles that I have with him is is just how much do you share? <laughs> how much you know, how much of the nugget do you give? Because too much can almost wash over people, and it's almost like you know you're firing a fire hydrant at them, and <laughs> open your mouth and drink some of that, and it's like, <laughs> but yet not enough doesn't create a, a, a stirring or a, 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 a longing in the hearts of people. And, and so I've got about six pages of notes, but I'm really going to try and look at them today and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit just, just, to, just to leak out. And so um, just come with me um, and I believe that what, he's, what he wants to say will come out. I hope it does anyway. But, um, you know, just this week and, and, and probably over the last sort of three weeks, God's just been really just putting on my heart this, the, the, the reality in which he wants us to live in and from. And it's his reality and that as his children, you know, the Bible says that, that he died, that we have the right to become his children. And as his children and as my children, I want my physical children to to enter into everything that Danielle and I have for them, enter into the value system that we try and live by, enter into the culture and experience the culture that we are as a couple uh, in Christ trying to build in our physical home and that they could experience the life, the love of, of a mother and a father, an unconditional love. They could experience uh, the discipline of, of a mother and a father. They could experience the joy as a family uh, and the security that, that a mother and a father bring, that they could fully uh, be grow in an environment that gives them the greatest and the best reality to move forward and to experience everything that a mum and a dad would want for their children. I'm sure as parents we all want that for our children, don't we? And he is no different. He is completely no different. In fact, the only reason we actually are like that is because that's his heart. We didn't come up with that. That's him in us and him demonstrating to us what it looks like so then we can pattern it and that humanity gets to know and experience him. And as we know that, you know, through our great wisdom, uh, we make choices and, and here we are today and so not everyone has experienced a home that I described. Not everyone has had a fair start. Not everyone has had a mum and a dad that were able to love them maybe unconditionally in a way that would raise them up. Not everyone gets to experience that. But that doesn't mean that that's not God's heart. That doesn't mean that that's not God's hope, especially for his children, his spiritual children. Amen? And so I've been pondering this whole thought of the the two realities that exist side by side. 
There is the reality of the world and then there's the reality of God. There is the reality of the kingdom of the world and its ways and its thinking and its mode of being and the way it operates. And then there is a completely other reality called the kingdom of God. And that kingdom of God, the Bible says, is to be operating in the church and then out of the church. And the, as that happens, then we enter into it physically. Literally, we can, we can uh, move in supernatural ways, can't we? Extraordinary ways. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago by, by Peter um, walking on water. And I saw the movie The Son of God. And what's amazing is you read that and, and it's all good. But when you see it, and what I loved about the movie is when you see the expression on his face and the expression on the disciples' face when he realizes, I'm actually partaking of another reality right now. And the realization hitting him, how on earth am I walking on the water? He leaves the world reality, the safety in the boat, because he hears a command, doesn't he? He hears a command, he hears a call. If this is you, then command me to come. So he hears the command. He then gets out of one reality, the natural, safe. He puts his foot on the water and again, and on his face, he's, you're looking in the movie, I'm going, I was speaking to him, look, he's realizing he's participating and partaking of something he was born to do. And the reality of it's hitting him like that. And in the movie, and all the other disciples are like, they what's this. They've seen Jesus do it, but they hadn't yet. And now they're partaking of the same thing. Can you hear what I'm saying? And then there's thunder and lightning, the natural world. His eyes go off Christ, onto the lightning, and he starts to sing. He's now back into the kingdom, the reality of the world. But for a split second, he partook and participated of this other reality that exists today. It always has. Jesus came. He said, my kingdom has come with me. Firstly, it's an internal, invisible transformation of a person. That's the whole point of Christianity. And then from there, you move out and you bring a physical reality change to situations. But that comes from an internal place. And that's for us. The question is, do we believe it, guys? See, faith is the thing that bridges the gap between the reality in which we live that is in us, that seed, we say we're in the world but not of it, but we have to realize the world seed actually does live in us, called the fleshly nature. Jesus come and he dies for that, but it still remains. So we die to that, which means we're able to partake of and enter into this reality. And these things are side by side. They work parallel together. And you and I have been invited to partake in and of him and his reality. And so the question he asks is, 
I died for this, let's move in it together, amen, as, as, as his people, as his children. And he says this, he says, if you will abide in me, I promise you, I'll abide in you. Can God lie? No. So he promises you something. Anyone here gave a promise and broken it? Yeah, me too, Shirley. You know, God will never do that. He'll never say one thing and do the opposite. He'll never say one thing and not fulfill the promise that he said he can do. So he says, if you, so this is a bit of a question mark, isn't it? If you, so there's a choice that's required from us, if you will abide in me, I promise you I will abide in you, and if you do that, then guess what's produced? My life in you. We call it fruit. The Bible calls it fruit. If you abide in me, I promise you I will abide in you, and we will be one, you then will reflect me. When people see you, they'll see me. Because you're abiding in me. When people experience Kirk, they'll not experience Kirk Byer, they'll experience the Christ in Kirk Byer, but it's still Kirk. What does that look like, Greg? That looks like people will experience the Father's love. Not my limited love. That means people experience the Father's joy, not my limited happiness. That means that people will experience a peace coming out of them, sorry, the person. They'll see a, a peace, they'll see something, a reality of something, which will glorify His name. They'll see the nature of Christ being demonstrated on the earth. That's what Christianity, firstly, I believe, with every conviction, is firstly about. And from that position, everything unfolds. But what we tend to do is we want to go chase the fruit and not the abiding in. See, when we read this passage we're about to read, general statement, but our human nature goes straight to the fruit. Like, I've got to be someone that produces fruit. And then that starts pressure, doesn't it? Oh, I'm not producing this love he's telling me about. Oh my goodness, it's not coming out of me. Man, I'm really falling short. I might as well give up. That's exactly where the enemy will try and take you and I. But that's not what Jesus actually said. He says, the command is to abide in me. The command not to produce fruit. The command is to be found abiding in me. If you abide in me, guess what? You'll receive the promise. And it'll be so natural and authentic. In fact, you won't even know it's happening. But you'll be becoming someone that others will notice. And as that happens, I'll be glorified through it. 
How many of us here want our lives to bring glory to Him? That's the point, isn't it? But there's a challenge, there's a wrestle there because we can get in the way of that process. And as we know, sometimes we actually can steal the thunder, steal the glory, and actually somehow this thing gets mutated into another expression. And so let's have a look at this. Let's go and um, read John 15, 1 to 11. I'm going to go reasonably quickly, okay? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Verse 1. Every branch in me, and as I read this, really allow the words to, to sink in, okay? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that, he be, that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, that word if again, you will abide in my love. There's the, there's the promise. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you. Where's the joy? In us. And that your joy may be made full. Now we're going to start from verse 11 and sort of then jump a bit all over the place. Okay. So Jesus here at the end of verse 11 is saying this. I have taught you from 1 to 11 for this very reason that you as my disciples would have my joy in you and that your joy would be made full. Why is our joy made full? Because His joy is in us. Abide in me, those, I believe those actually positions become one position. It's His joy. It's the substance of His joy in us that complete to make our joy full. Who's the hope of the world? Christ. Where's that hope? In us. So he's saying, I'm teaching you this from verse 1 to verse 2, all the way to verse 11. The reason why I'm teaching, going through this process, is that as you abide in me at the end of this, and this isn't just a one-off process, this isn't an event, this is a process, this is a lifetime, that my joy will be in you and your joy will be made full and complete. The fullness of God in us and us experiencing that reality. And you know, I was just talking about this at breakfast, the fact of 
you know, that, that two-pronged position that He's in us, but do we live and are our lives reflecting the reality of that very truth? Because it's not just about having a theological head knowledge that that's the reality, but it's about having a living knowledge that that's the reality. See, Paul's saying, I'm controlled by this very thing. And his life then appropriated the statement that he made. That's how authentic and, and innate and real the truth is. The truth will change you and bring us, me, when I say you, into his life, won't it? When he says the truth will set you free, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. So what do free people look like? They have joy, there's a peace, there's love, there's patience, there's gentleness. They are reflecting the nature of the one who sets them free. You're tracking with me. So he's saying, I teach you all this for this reality because I died for the reality. Not the theory. That's a start, but that's not where it ends. That's the start. So let's whip back to number one, verse one. But before this, I'm just going to reiterate something, actually, sorry, that I just want to say two things, actually. <laughs> uh, the key point of this whole thing, if there's one thing that I really want you to hear me say, it's this, that the command is not to bear fruit. That's the promise. The command is to abide in Him. Everyone got that? The command is not to bear fruit. That's the promise. The command is to abide in Him. The fruit is an outcome of the command. If we try and go straight to the fruit, do you know what we do? We come up with a mutated version of what is supposed to be the reality. If we chase the fruit, we haven't figured out how we get the real fruit, so then we create our own process to figure out how we get the fruit. It's called doing it our own way. And there's no life when we do it our own way. Jesus said, I will build my church, not you. We hate that, eh? <laughs> As a leader, I hate that. As someone who has had put in them this, I don't even describe it, the sense of let's go by him to then be told, hey, but you can't do it. What do you mean I can't do it? I've got this gifting and this talent and this ability and your presence and your fire and your power. And he said, yeah, and I gave you all that, didn't I? Yep. And you're telling me I can't do it? I can do it. No, you can't. You can do a lot of things. But in you, you'll get mutated fruit. And there's plenty of that. But in me, that harnessed and defined what I've put in you, submitted to me. The gift on your life, submitted to me. The fire and the power of the Spirit in your life, submitted to me. Doing it my way, what I command you will receive the life that I died for you to receive. So I really want to stress that because I know in me, when I read this, my eye goes straight to producing fruit. 
And then I try and figure out how I'm going to produce this fruit. I'm going to try and figure out, and once again, I believe what God's saying to us here is internal fruit, not how many souls are getting saved, not how many buildings we've built, all those things, okay? But I want to say this, if I try and figure out how to get people saved, you know what I do? I create my pathway of how that's going to happen. You know what that does? That creates a striving mentality, a driving mentality. So every one of us that sits under the leadership will all of a sudden start to be feeling a sense of being driven. And we all go, yeah, because we've all got this thing in us that wants to do this thing. But then all of a sudden we realize, oh, this is getting a bit burnt out and don't seem to have the life in me that's going on and I'm tired all the time and the guy at the front's telling me to go into all the swine's there and I really want to do it because I have a desire to do it, but I don't have any life to do it. And I'm getting exhausted and knackered. And the fruit of love is more hatred coming out of me. But the guy at the front that's telling me <laughs> to go and do it. I'm supposed to love him, but I don't have love in me to love him because, no, we've gone down the wrong avenue. Because we take, don't see the command. See, this is what we do with the great commandment. We go and do the commission, not the commandment. And the commission doesn't get done anyway because it's not defined by the commandment. Or if it is, it's a mutated version of what we're called to do. God's working in all that because He's so gracious, but He said, I am the way. And I am the truth. And there are no other positions but my position. And I promise you, as my children, if you will do it my way, you will experience my life. They go hand in hand. And so we have to be humble enough, brave enough, transparent enough to ask ourselves some honest questions and be humble enough and brave enough and have enough faith to receive the answers to those questions and then go, it's all okay because His love covers us and His grace covers everything and He's done this and bought us that we can come into this life. Because none of us have got it together, have we? The reality is we're actually trying to figure out Him and His ways. Anyone that tells you they've got it all sorted, run a hundred miles away. No, love them, actually, sorry. <laughs> love on them and put up with what comes out. Love on them and love on them until God says enough's enough. But and the other thing was just, I think I've said it, is let's keep our eyes on the command and not the problem. Okay? Because I reckon some of you here read, oh my goodness, who are those that get taken away? Anyone do that? If you're honest, don't put your hand up. Oh my goodness, who's the one that got thrown into the fire? And we miss the promise. He said, don't worry about that. He said, keep your eyes on me. You keep your eyes on me. You never have to even concern yourself with that stuff. Be aware of it, sure. But don't go there and make a whole doctrine out of it. That's the worst thing you could do with what we've just been talking about in the five weeks. Make a whole theory about this thing and try and figure it all out. No. No. Seek Him. Allow it. You know the whole point of why we did this? It wasn't to figure out and really go into the in-depth knowledge of the end times. It was to create a stirring up in the church to realize that God is so big and so outside of our little puny minds that we'll never understand Him to the fullness of who He is. That that would create a hunger and a stirring. My hope is that we are in this more, in just obeying Him, 
I sang at my life group during the week. Don't, it's not about trying to, oh, when's the new Jerusalem coming down? Is it before this or after this or this or that? That'll get you down all these rabbit warrens. It's exactly where the enemy's doing. Just allow what you've heard to stir you and seek him. And as you seek him together, as we do it together, you know what? That stuff will be outworked, which will create a greater sense of life. But if we start with that premise, we will never end up in the life. That's why so many people are running around chasing the rabbit down the wrong hole. Yeah? Man, 24 minutes and I've spoken about that much. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to get through all this. And you already gave it to me, it was like about 10 years. <laughs> okay, verse 1. We're just going to flow through and we'll stop when I know, I'll know when to stop. Um, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Okay? Why does he say I'm the true vine? Because there are lots of vines. There are lots of things that you and I can connect our lives into, aren't they? There are multiple things. I've got to work with Simon because obviously he's connected into the World Cup right now. He's talking about having watching games when we were coming to hear the Word of God. I don't know what that's about, brother, but we'll, you know, we're, we're working on that one. <sighs> of course, I would not have that heartbeat here. <laughs> I'll be making sure I give my iPad and my iPhone over to Danielle when I walk in. But he says, I'm the true vine. See, I'm the only one. If you want joy, not happiness, but joy, remember the end, the end of verse 11? Joy it's found in me. I am the joy. It's a substance of me. It's a fruit of me. I'm the Spirit. It's not something that's outside of me. It is me. So I'm the true vine. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and I will add. So it's Him. And He's saying that because yes, we go, yeah, yeah, He's my true vine and then we go connect to all these other vines. We connect them to a spouse. And then we try and connect them. And Because you know what happens with the vine. The vine is to bring life, isn't it? Well, what happens if you're not connected to his vine? You start sucking the life out of the vine you've connected into. That's not a marriage made in heaven. That's a marriage made for disaster. Because you and she is sucking the life out of one another. No, the true vine Burst life. Power comes through the vine. He says, I'm the true vine. I'm the only one that you, as my children, are going to receive the life from. The true life, the true fruit, is through me. So sure, and we're going to look at this, I can be in you, but as it says, in me, but not producing fruit. Because I may be in you, but the reality is, you're not abiding in me. You're actually abiding in other things. So it's almost like a, a heart with all these arteries that connect out of it. But the true vine one that's connected, it's pretty skinny and maybe it's got some blockages. And really, the vine you're really connected into, and I'll use me as an example, is Liverpool Football Club or the gym or myself or my career or my kids. And so, 
that's just not going to work because I'm connected to the wrong thing. Or the connection that I'm in, but not really, it's not strong enough to dominate that other life that's coming to and fro. Does that make sense? So he tells you, I believe he goes to the specific to tell you, I am the true one. There are false ones. Don't get hoodwinked, I'm the true one. Then he says this, my father is the vine dresser. Now, if you know anything about uh, fruit and all these things, and I don't know really anything about this in the natural, I know Paul does, Paul's growing some things at home. Um, and we were having a dog about this on Friday, and he was just helping me and he shared something, but the vine dresser is the expert, he's expert at pruning, he or she, cutting and clearing away the old, the dead and dried up ends that prevent new life. So Jesus is the vine and the Father is the vine dresser. His role is to go to work on the branches. Okay? So we can't not like him for that, that's his role. We can't reject that because that's his role. He's God, I'm not. So we have to get comfortable with the fact that the Father wants to prune us. He wants to change us. Remember what I started with? He wants to bring you and I into His reality, into His world, into His mode of operation. He wants you and I to experience the fullness of the life that was in His Son, doesn't He? And the way He's going to do that is to do some cutting. Anyone like being cut? I've had three or four surgeries. Not fun. Being whacked under, going under the knife, having your knee reconstructed, tugged, pulled back. <laughs> Hurts. Not while you're out. Obviously when you wake up, it's like, ugh. And then there's a process of rehabilitation and getting back. But there's been a change and it's made stronger. And I can stand on it and I can go into a tackle now with a kneecap not popping out that way. Yeah, ouch. But through the process of being pruned, guess what? More life. Now I have to be able to see that to enter into the process. For the joy set before Christ, He went. He saw. He saw what was ahead of Him, which enabled Him to go through. So the Father's going to do some pruning and we know from verse 5 in this, that unfortunately, you and I are the branches. <laughs> so when you signed up, I'm signing up to be a branch. I'm signing up to being pruned. You may not have known that, but guess what? You're getting told it today. And so the whole point of the faith is what? To reach the lost? No. Is it to prophesy? No. Is it to discover your gift in it? No. Listen to what I'm saying. Not the first place priority. Is it to have meetings? No. Is it to go to conferences? No. Is it to have nice homes with nice families? No. The first place priority of what you signed up for was your own transformation into His image. That is the whole, not the whole, sorry, the main purpose of Christianity. I'm going to take you as a caterpillar and you're going to finish as a butterfly. They are completely two different insects. Start here, pruning, you finish up. Woohoo! Check out the life! See you, caterpillar! What a sucker! 
Man, you look at this. You can't do this. How many wants that? How many want to be a butterfly? How many want to fly in Christ? Soar. Move. See things. Be part of things. Actually have rest and life. Not that you want others to be burdened. You don't. But when they're in burden going, Jesus showed this me in Cambodia. He said, Greg, I promise rest. If you're not in rest, there's something wrong, son. To, you know, to be a leader and say, oh, I'm so burdened, I'm tired, and I'm feeling the pressure of ministry, there's something wrong when the guy who's the whole ministry says, you should be in rest. No, no, I'm just, no this, is, this is what it looks like to work for you. <laughs> Anyone said that? This is what it looks like to be a ministry of martyr. Now, we will be martyred, won't we? So, once again, I've got to trust. I haven't got time to go into everything I say. But you've got to hear what I'm saying. Paul was martyred. He was a martyr. But man, the man was in rest. So you can be in a false reality of everything. Can't we? False reality of humility. People that think you've got to lay down your life, have everyone stand on your head. And that's false humility. True humility has got power and authority. And so it's like this position that he's trying to call us into. His reality. And he said, man, I bought and paid for it. And together. It's awesome. Together. What am I up to? So we've all signed up to be branches that are being pruned. Yeah? Alright, verse 2. <laughs> it's alright, I'm not going to go through all 11. I knew this was going to be a long series. <laughs> Here we go. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away. I don't want us to focus on that at all. Okay? Aware of it? Let's not focus on it. Let's focus on this. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Isn't that cool? See, we tend to look at the glass half empty. Let's start looking at it half full. Let's start looking at the way he looks. Let's start thinking through Revelation the way he thinks. Yeah? Let's focus on what he came to do, not the negative. Yes, it's there. Yes, we have to be aware of it. But if that's what draws our attention, guess what? It's where you live your life from. And so, yes, there are consequences. And it says the consequences of not allowing yourself to be pruned is that the Father will take you away. But let's be people that let ourselves be pruned so we produce more fruit. Yeah? All right. Interesting, before any pruning starts, there is fruit already being produced here. So once again, receiving Christ, the day we receive Christ, the fruit process, the abiding in, which started, which have started. And so just ask yourself, yeah, Am I changing? Am I actually being transformed through spirit and truth? Am I different to the day when I receive Christ? Am I a different person? Do I have more of his nature? Ask yourself, what am I characterized by? When people look at me, if they were to ask me, if someone was to say, What's, what, what, is, what is Jeanette Ward known for? The people... If, you, if there were just strangers or people sorry, that would work with her or 
or knew her, what would they say? And so once again, this isn't to beat us up, this isn't to make us feel bad, but this is to just, there is a reality he wants us to come into. So always hear through this lens. Yeah? Not the condemning one that's in our sin and ourself, the opposite of that. I want you to be in this, I want you to abide, because firstly, well one, it glorifies my name, and secondly, you'll be like that butterfly. You'll be flying like a butterfly all over the place. Maybe even literally, eh, Jeanette? All over the world. I bet you Johnny and Bex never thought they'd be in Africa eight years ago. How do you end up in Cambodia? Anyway, we're in Kampot, and we have the privilege of opening a new home. How does that happen? certainly wasn't in my plan. But yet you find yourself doing some things and becoming someone. How is it that you can have this love formed in you through walking with others? I share my testimony in the last three hundred years that the freedom that's in here now and the joy is that possible? Not with man, but with God, doing it His way, abiding in. And so there is an initial, God looks for an initial starting process of something. So He's the God of the multiple chances, isn't He? His grace is so unbelievably unreasonable. So let's start receiving it. Can I finish it there? I'm going to finish it there. So more and more, I'm hoping that this morning, I haven't landed it anywhere. I'm supposed to land messages. You know, make sure you land it, make it clear. <laughs> I'm going to leave it open. Hopefully it's open so you can land it. You can grab what you've heard and go, Holy Spirit, let's land this sucker. What do you want to say to me through what I've heard? Abide in the command, command in the abide. Everyone you want to say that? And allow him to do work knowing that you and I can't do it. And we'll get into this later on. Because that's, well, how am I going to do it then? <laughs> Talk to him about that. And he'll show you. Talk to others that are in maybe a greater reality of it than you may be. And don't be fearful of talking to them about it. Don't be like, oh man, they're going to think I'm... Get past the fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And be bold. I want what's on your life. Because I know I don't have it. Can I walk with you? Can I ask you questions? Can we pray together? Because I want your swimming, you're receiving something. There's something going on. You chew a steak. I'm buying Porterhouse. He's buying Phillips. Can I have a taste of your Phillips? What's that? Now, knowing that Chris can't give it to me, 
But you hear what I'm saying? Seek those that may be around you that have more of Him in them. Don't be fearful of them because they're there for you. That's why He puts us together. I'd hate for my children to be fearful. I can't go to Dad. Dad's there to support, isn't He? And to guide and to encourage and to walk with His children and Mum. Amen? Father, I just want to thank You, Lord, that You're building us and you're going to do it and you are doing it your way. And so as we continue to contend and seek you and ask, Lord, I pray that you would reveal more of yourself in us. We'd be a people that abide. Help us to see the way your word is written, not the way we interpret it, so we can come into a greater reality. So, Father, we want to thank you. We love you. We want to say we love one another. Lord, and just want to encourage each other. You are the greatest person that we can ever know and meet and do know. And so, Lord, we just we just want to say we love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Amen.